Claudia, thank you so much for setting the stage, raising the key questions, giving us hints of the directions in which IMI may go, and it's very exciting. We now have an overview presentation by Meredith Giordano. She is the principal researcher and the IMI representative here in the U.S. and will be sitting with us here at IFCRI too. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you all very much for joining us here today and online and, and in the future. Um, as we celebrate the opening of our new office here and as we have our program here on, uh, on, on water security in, in a changing world. I'm going to build on the comments that, that Claudia has just made and focus a little more on what EMI is doing and, and will be doing in the, in the future as we tackle some of the challenges that Claudia has just described. So let me start by, by introducing EMI very briefly. EMI is a nonprofit scientific research institute uh, that focuses on sustainable management of water and land resources for food security, people's livelihoods, and the environment. Our headquarters are based in, in Sri Lanka, um, in Colombo, Sri Lanka. I, I was there for many years. Um, and we have regional offices throughout Asia and Africa, and now here, in, in, uh, hosted by IFPRI in Washington, DC. And we're so pleased to, to be part of this community now as well. Our work cuts across a number of dimensions of the water security challenge that, that Claudia has just described. And as we carry out our work, it's embedded throughout the landscape by working in partnership across sectors, across disciplines, to deliver new knowledge, to deliver policy advice, and capacity development for a water secure world. And what I'll do now is just give a sampling of some of our work in, in each of these areas to give you a sense of the, of the work we do, the products that we produce, and importantly, the partners that we're working with to address these key challenges. So I'll begin with our work in agricultural water management. This is a long-standing area of research at EMI, and it's an area where we've worked with a wide uh, range of partners, policy partners, research partners, implementation partners, to understand the extent of this sector and the potential for growth of this sector. We know, for example, that in India, more than 50% of the irrigated area is watered by smallholder pumps. And we know that in uh, many countries in Africa, Smallholder agricultural water management reaches more farmers than the large-scale public irrigation schemes. And we know the potential for growth is enormous in this sector. For example, in sub-Saharan Africa, investments in motor pumps alone could benefit up to 185 million people and increase net revenues by up to $22 billion per year. But to achieve that potential, requires that we understand and that we tailor our solutions to meet local contexts. And I'll give an example of some of the work we're doing on solar-powered irrigation in this regard. In India, we, there are some 20 million wells, two wells, that are powered by diesel and electricity. And in that context, solar power offers a promising green solution. But if solar power is promoted through subsidies, um, or other programs of that nature, it has the risk of incentivizing overpumping of scarce water supplies. So what we're doing in western parts, uh, in the drier western parts of India, um, specifically in Gujarat, India, is looking at the possibility of establishing solar pump irrigation cooperatives, where farmers are using solar pumps to irrigate their crops, but they also have the, the option to sell back the excess electricity to the grid. So this, while this is still a pilot in process, it offers potentially many benefits. It offers the benefit of reducing greenhouse gas emissions, 
more sustainable use of groundwater by allowing farmers to sell back that excess electricity supply rather than pumping more groundwater, and diversifying incomes for farmers. We're also looking at different types of solutions in different uh, contexts using solar power in eastern India, in the state of Bihar, and in parts of Africa, looking at, uh, at solar pump options in Ethiopia, Mali, as well as in Ghana. And some of the results of this work are already starting to take hold. It, the government of India has already pledged uh, to invest some $7 billion in grid-connected solar pumps with surplus uh, power buyback arrangements, and many states are beginning to implement programs to support this. In Ethiopia, the government has approved a tax exemption for agricultural machinery, including water technologies, which was a major constraint for many smallholder farmers, and has asked EMI to be involved as they start to invest now more in solar-powered irrigation by conducting some baseline surveys. A second area of our work looks at managing risk and increasing resilience by looking at food security monitoring and hazard risk mapping. Through this work, we've developed a drought monitoring system to provide insights on agricultural lands, cultivated areas, crop health, and crop diversity. And we've also developed tools and methods to map multiple climate risks and their potential impacts on people's livelihoods and agricultural systems. And the, the, the potential for this is that you're providing information, you're providing tools to governments and communities so they can more proactively manage the risks that Claudia has just described, risks to climate variation and climate change. Alongside this effort, we're, we're researching the potential for index-based flood insurance as a way to reduce vulnerabilities to smallholder farmers. These types of interventions complement other proactive risk management activities, such as water storage, above ground, below ground, gray, green storage structures, to maximize farmers' resilience. And most recently, we've been piloting in India, India's first index-based flood insurance scheme in the state of Bihar, covering 200, uh, 200 households. And we're now reviewing the lessons and the results of that research to see how something like this could be scaled up to other parts of India and elsewhere. A third area of our work looks at this rural-urban linkages, this circular economy that Claudia mentioned, so that we can en enhance more efficient resource use. And through this work, we're looking at ways to manage risk and enhance benefits uh, from informal wastewater irrigation. We look at ways to minimize food waste. And we're also looking at ways to recover costs through nutrient, water, and energy recycling of wastewater fecal sludge, wastewater fecal sludge and solid waste. The importance of this is uh, or we're carrying out feasibility studies so that we can develop business models with the aim of shifting the focus from treating waste for disposal to treating waste as a, as a valuable resource that can be reused. Here again, we're starting to see traction from this work where the government of, of Ghana has incorporated waste-based fertilizer into their fertilizer subsidy program. Last year, a commercial public-private partnership was established in Ghana with, through the design of a, of a plant that's able to produce up to 500 tons of organic fertilizer per year from fecal sludge and organic municipal waste. And now these products are being extended to other geographies, and we're also ext extending to other waste-based products. 
And importantly, none, none of this can happen if we aren't understanding and taking and being mindful of the institutions and policy environment surrounding these types of interventions. So that the, the solutions that we provide or suggest are, uh, support equitable and sustainable outcomes. And we do this by analyzing basin and transboundary water resources and their management. We do this by developing tools and approaches that can address these water security challenges and identify ways to, uh, to strengthen local, national, and transboundary government structures. We also do this by incorporating different perspectives, how different communities, different people within that community value resources, use resources, and manage their resources. And we look at the impacts of technologies and institutions to, to meet the changing needs of both agricultural landscapes as well as urban landscapes as our landscapes are changing. And finally, all of this work is done in collaboration with a whole host of partners. And none of this could be accomplished without working in partnership. Every single project that I've just mentioned has been carried out with a range of partners, some of which are in the room and some are online and, and elsewhere. In addition to these project-based partnerships, EMI is part of and leads a number of consortia uh, where we can bring tools, knowledge, information, solution to address the four eyes that Claudia just mentioned. And importantly, to bring a water perspective to agricultural debates and discussions, to bring agricultural perspectives to water discussions, and to bring ag water perspectives to conservation discussions. And the importance of these, these, um, these partnerships comes in, in what we can learn, and how we can raise awareness, and how we can jointly address the challenges that we're talking about here to ensure or promote a more water secure world for all. Thank you. Meredith, thank you so much for that very clear presentation of what the key issues Amy is working on, how you're working on that, what are some of the impacts we are seeing from that, and giving hints again of the future directions. Very clear and very comprehensive. <laughs>